The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our Old Testament reading primarily from Malachi chapter 4. And these words, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when the arrogant and all evildoers will stubble, will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The day of the Lord is coming. That's the plain message of the prophet Malachi. And on that day, the Lord will judge. On that day, there will be a clear division amongst all humanity. Those who have loved evil... Well, on that day, they will be utterly destroyed. They will be set on fire. They will be burned up into ashes. They will be trampled underneath the feet of God's people. Those, though, who have feared God, well, on that day, they will know a warmth greater than the sun in our sky could ever produce. They will leap around like young animals left out of their stalls. They will bound in victory, over their enemies. We hear words like this quite often in the scriptures. And one way when we hear these words, we usually just sort of rejoice in the words. We assume that we're on the winning team, and therefore we just focus on the reality of the grace and the mercy and the joy of that last day. But of course, we should take in everything our reading has for us, We shouldn't just pick out one side of it and ignore the other side. Truth be told, if we do stop to really think about what is being said here in the book of Malachi, it might actually overwhelm us a little bit. It might seem to us a little extreme. And especially, it might seem extreme to a people like us, who pride ourselves on being modern, civilized people, who don't act like those unthinking masses of the past. But listen again to what God says will happen on that day and try to convince yourself that it doesn't even strike you as a little extreme. Do you not think it is extreme to set someone on fire, to have them burned up into ash, and then to take your foot and stick it right into that pile of ashes in victory? A little extreme, right? We're tempted to believe that this is just hyperbole. This is just speech that's been exaggerated in order to get our attention. Surely God will not actually set people ablaze, will he? Surely he won't do the things that are mentioned here in the book of Malachi. Oh, in response to sin, we can imagine God being a little disappointed. Maybe even him getting a little angry every once in a while, but surely, surely not to this extent. God's not so uncivilized, is he? After all, we have been conditioned over the last few decades, even in the church, to believe that God is more of a grandpa type, more than anything else. Certainly more than being some sort of strict or stern judge. We've come to believe that God sort of just sits in the stands and roots on as we chase our dreams and our passions. 
we act like he really doesn't care all that much about whether we're doing the things that he has called righteous, but rather just cares about what's going on with us and what we want. We don't think he would ever come down hard on us. We can't imagine him, quite frankly at times, punishing us. Whether that's now, and especially if that is eternally. And so if we must deal with words like the ones in our text, we decide, well, if he's going to do something like that, set people ablaze, well, that must refer only to really, really bad people who can easily be identified as really, really bad people. We say, surely there's no chance that if we walked in evil, that he would do this to us. For if there was a chance of that, if we believe that, surely we would all take sin much more seriously even than we do. We would warn people, our brothers and sisters, when they're doing something obviously against God's will. We would tell them to turn and repent lest they end up burning. We'd use every means that we have to try to get them out of danger. And we would pray that others would do the same for us. You know, in this prophecy given to Malachi, the evildoers that he speaks about facing judgment on the last day are not people from those nations that openly opposed God. There were plenty of those in Malachi's day, but that's not who Malachi was talking about. No, he was talking about those supposed people of God from Judah, those who should have known God and yet chose to walk in evil anyways. He was speaking about lay people right up to the priests who had been given everything by God but had returned thanks by pursuing evil. And he said, they, those people, they were the ones who on the last day would burn. And that means, if we're listening closely, that those words could apply to us as well. If we choose to walk away from the Lord, if we choose to pursue evil, those threats of God are meant for our hearing as well. But you know, often we don't say it quite this clearly. We certainly don't often do that in just talking to one another. I have to admit, even in writing this sermon this week, there were times where I wanted to sort of tone down the language a little bit. It seemed like a little too much. But the problem is, the more I looked at it, the more I realized the language I was using was just the language of Malachi. I wasn't adding anything to it to make it worse. <laughs> I was just saying what it said. Do we truly believe that there is a God who is coming? And that when he comes, he will both judge evil and save his people? I wonder if sometimes we've forgotten the first, that God will come and judge evil. And we just focus that God will save his people. And we must know both. Recently, someone I was talking to made an observation that I found rather interesting. They had just been in the context of a courtroom, and they noticed that people that were there observing in the courtroom were all very reverent in that space. They didn't goof off. They sort of sat up straighter than they would in other settings. They were not going to just do something that might capture the judge's attention for a moment. And he said, why? Well, because they still got in that setting that there was a judge in front of them, 
A judge who had real power. A judge that had power both to punish and to reward. And so that was worthy of sitting up a little straighter for, recognizing that authority. The same friend asked, why is it then in the church that the overwhelming trend in Christianity is to make our houses of worship less reverent, to be more casual, to not worry so much about what's going on in that space and what people are doing. This quick suggestion was possibly, we don't believe here in this space that there is a judge. That there is a judge who will both punish evil and will save his people. And I'm not sure that he's altogether wrong. Dear people of God, today we have a text that should in one way terrify us. We should understand that if God gave us what we deserved, we should in this very moment be set ablaze because of our sins. That's what we should get. And that threat, it's meant to be taken seriously. Luther in the small catechism says, God threatens to punish all who break his commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and not do anything against them. That's what you do when you understand that God does truly punish evil, that it's that big of a deal. For it is only when we understand how big of a deal sin is, and when we understand what the just punishment for our sin is, that when we hear the good news that God has saved us from that, that we'll actually rejoice greatly. I mean, if you think all you were saved from was God being a little bit disappointed in you, that's not a very great salvation. But if you understand that what he has saved you from is eternal torment, and that that eternal torment is, in fact, the proper judgment upon your sins, well, then when you hear that God has saved you from that, that's good news indeed. It's great news if he saved us from being set on fire, from being burned into ash, to being trampled underfoot. God should bring his judgment upon us. And sometimes we forget that. That's why we have all these why questions about why bad things happen to good people instead of recognizing that every day good things happen to us bad people. He should bring punishment upon us. He should set us ablaze. But thanks be to God, he doesn't. Why doesn't he? Because he loves us. And that never changes. He wants to live with us forever, and that never changes. No, God never changes in his resolve that he will have his people back with him. And so he is what the Bible calls long-suffering. He sticks it out even when he could act with justice. He continues to walk with us even when we are trying to walk away from him. Yes, indeed, he, we are told, did not punish the sins of those who lived before Christ, but instead stored up that wrath and then poured it out on his son Jesus. And even now, he doesn't destroy us the first time that we sin, although he would be just in doing so. No, instead, he's long-suffering with us, begging us that we would turn and repent and live, that we would receive the forgiveness and life that he came to give us. Yes, the day, it is coming, could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be some time from now. We don't know. We're simply supposed to stay awake. 
We're supposed to be ready whenever it comes. So how is it that we stay ready? How is it that we make sure we're not asleep when he comes? Because if we're asleep, we will perish. Well, we remain awake by living daily in repentance and in faith. We cast off the works of darkness that lull us into spiritual sleep. We spend our time in the light of the sun of righteousness. We gather to his word in our homes and in this, his home. And as we hear that word, as we eat his body and blood, God brings us back to life. He keeps us awake. And because he does, we will be awake on the last day. And it'll be a glorious day for us. Not a day of terror, but a day of perfect peace and joy. Yes, the son who was once lifted up upon the cross on that day, he will rise up again, but this day like the sun in the sky. And we, when we see that, will rejoice, will jump around like freed people full of the life of God, will bound over those who would not receive his mercy. So remember the Lord. Remember all of his ways. Take them into your hearts and out into your lives. Rejoice that God brings you a word even like the one today that might seem like a harsh word, but a word that brings you back. Rejoice that just like he did for the people with John the Baptist who called the people back before Jesus came, that he still sends people out to call us out of our sins, that when Jesus comes, we might have life instead of death. Rejoice today. God loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to suffer the things that Malachi speaks about. And so today and this day, or this day and always, he leads you back to Jesus, where you might have life. And that is the definition of being good. Amen.